This podcast was brought to you by Good Episode Productions. Let us fill your brain cavity with our content juice. Different things are lying. Yeah. No, the good TV writing is if um, if the audience needs needs to figure out by themselves uh, what is happening on like a basic narrative level. Like not the mm. not you know not you know actually in intricacies and interpretations, but if they need to figure out if the person who is talking to is actually talking to another person if the other person is even in the same room you know yeah okay we have to stop talking about game of thrones <laughs> because we already have many hours of funko pops content in which That's we talk true. about the series game of thrones well but but like crystal night king is already out so i mean yeah there's no real point in like doing the rest of it because he's already yeah. gone so i'm gonna bring us in so we can let's go do some more talking okay binky there is something i must do maybe sometime i'll go home why do things have to be the way they are how do humans forget i remember seen the infinite it's nothing special when you're sad and when you're lonely and you haven't got a friend just remember the death is not the end and all that you held sacred falls down and does not mend just remember that death is not the end not the end not the end just remember that death is hello and welcome back to who watches the watch um the best discworld podcast that's also about celebrities we don't like um, it's just me and Janosch today. I'm Chaz. I'm Janosch. Uh, just us, Lucy and George, fell off a cliff at the exact same moment. Um, F's in very, chat for Lucy and George. Uh-huh, very unfortunate, and we're very upset by it. But, uh, I'm sure they'll be fine by next week. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how long it takes to recover from cliff falling, but I can't imagine that long. So. I think approximately one week. Yeah, one week sounds about right, um, from what I know of medical science, mm -hmm. which is a lot. Yeah, it's just, it's very easy, just, uh, you just need to take off the broken bones, and then it's fine. <laughs> just take them off. Yeah, quick announcements, we have a Patreon now. Mm -hmm. um, you can donate to that if you want to, and by donate I mean pay for this good, good labor that we're giving <laughs> Yes. But only if you want to. We've got some bonus stuff coming up. Um, mostly it's bitching, but also there'll be some longer form investigative journalism on bad cults that I care about. Yeah. By by the time this goes up, there's going to be one patron only episode up and it's it's all about Amanda Palmer. So look yes, forward to that. Yes, me and Janosch talking about Amanda Palmer and um, why her version of art is offensive to us mm -hmm. um yeah I you think get it was a you get that for just one uh one euro a month yeah <laughs> so <laughs> is it worth it who can say um yeah. there will be more coming i think it is but you know whatever you want we appreciate just listen to these and that's yeah. enough for us yeah and if you if you want to pay more <laughs> if you want to play five euros you're, you're gonna get a special shout out at the end of the episode yeah we'll we'll say your name which i'm sure you can agree is an equal exchange mm -hmm. um of money for labor because we will say your name for oh, a whole we'll. 10 seconds yeah go to patreon.com slash who watches the watch in case we didn't say that if well, you're we interested didn't. in that um but yeah we already have two patrons but they're just people we know yeah um in that way, Patreon is kind of just like harassing your friends, <laughs> which I'm not above. I'll 
I'll say that. I will walk up to my friends and say them, give me money. I'll say, hello, friend. I appreciate all you've done for me and the gift of your friendship, but also have you considered giving me hard cash? And they say, no. <laughs> I, I very much appreciate that you're actually checking out this podcast I'm producing, but don't you want more of it? Isn't this podcast and my other four podcasts not enough? Don't you want more of my voice just playing in your ear at all all points of the day? You should give to my Patreon. That's what I say to my friends. <laughs> yeah, moving on. Uh, this week we read the first half of the book, Mort. Mort. Is uh, it Mort which, or Mort? I mean, his name is Mortimer, so I'm going to go with Mort. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Unless he's French, but I'm pretty sure pretty sure it's more. No, because like more is French for death. Yeah, I know. Which I know. I, I know wonder that. what the. But his I name should... isn't death; it's Mortimer. Yeah. No, but I should have looked up what this book is called in French. I wonder, actually. Yeah. Does that joke work in French, or is it just confusing? It would be very confusing if if death and mort are just called the same. Okay, so the French title is Mortimer. <laughs> Mortimer. Is that just, Mortimer? Yeah, just Mortimer. He's just he just goes by full name Mortimer in French. That makes a lot of sense actually. That's very funny. It must be so hard to translate books, especially these books. They must just be like completely untranslatable for the most part. You read them in German originally, yeah. right? Is there like a lot of the jokes just completely incomprehensible? Yeah, in there were a lot of like weird jokes. Like there were sometimes jokes where I was thinking, okay, so here the translator is just making up something himself. Mm. Uh, and other times it was just weird. Yeah, I can't imagine. I, I remember actually like this book was called Gefatter Tod in German. Um, uh, okay, what does that mean? It's like just a name that people, that, that death, that like the personification of death is like called in folklore. That's kind of cool. That's kind of a cool idea. I guess. I also... <laughs> I also, as I was reading this and thinking back of the time I actually read this, uh, I also remember that, like, my friend at that time that I'm not on friendly terms with anymore was, like, <laughs> very dismissive of the fact that I'm reading such a ridiculous book. Why would you read something where the plot just makes no sense, you yeah. know? Fantasy, disgusting. Yeah, exactly. Why would I read something that is that is like fun and has jokes in it when you can read Crime and Punishment instead? Well, my my very good friend Lily, um, I was talking to her and she was like, "Yeah, when I was a child, my parents didn't let me read fantasy." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What? Your parents like like what about children's books?" And she's like, "No, if it was if it had fantasy in it, then my parents were like, this is frivolous and wouldn't let." Wouldn't let her read them. Um, because there's, read them to her. there's made up things in it? or I have no idea. <laughs> like, there's reasons to hate fantasy. But, but like, the entire genre. Like, you can say, you can say okay, you're, you, I, I'm going to let you read Lord of the Rings. But keep in mind that this was in a time where, like, casual racism was much more normal. <laughs> no, they're like, what's an elf? Shut up, read Hemingway, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just so bizarre and awful. She says that's why she doesn't have an imagination now. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I don't think it's true, but yeah, I don't think I don't true. think that's how imagination works. Like, do you remember that that like comic that, uh, that like very cringy comic going around on Twitter? I think I do. Yes, is it the one where it's like how artists yeah, see the world, exactly. or like how creative people see the world, and they're like, "Damn, my boss is a sexy witch." Yeah, and apparently yeah. the every creative person just sees the world as in like existing ips yes uh and they also they're also not able to see the reality which is Mm. fucked up yeah there's a lot of implications of that comic it's definitely coming from like the goodreads crowd i think yeah crowd it's from the introverts be like crowd also i have this thing where i believe that a lot of people who are introverted just haven't put enough um, work into developing their social skills. You know, <laughs> this, is, this is my this is my um, my cancelable thesis. No, but I don't think you're wrong. 
Because I used to be super bad at talking to people when I was a child um, and, like, a teen until I was, mm. like, 17. Like, I was terrible at it. But I just learned how to do it by reading books on how to be a better person mm-hmm. <laughs> talking to I'm... people. And then it became easier because it's yeah. just a skill that you learn and develop. Yeah, totally. Like, I'm still not great at it, I think. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm better at talking to people online at this point than in real life. But yeah. like I can, I can make like you know normal small talk or whatever. Or like especially like with with new people, I'm gonna be like able to get along. You know, it's fine. I'm just not always yeah. in the mood to talk to people. Uh, and yeah, sometimes the people are gonna be just like shallow or whatever, or just want to talk about. I, I can know. understand not wanting to talk to people because I frequently don't want to talk to yeah. people. But like, yeah, but that's yeah. not like being an introvert. Because I, no. I, I also don't think that introvert and introvert, introvert and extrovert are actual, <laughs> like, actual real categories. No, they don't make any sense because, as anything, creating, like, binary uh, mm. categories that everyone fits into is maybe not actually logical in any way. Yeah, but oh, what if instead true. of creating the binary categories, we create, like, 16 different uh, categories that are all just a combination of numbers that no normal person is going to well, be able to memorize. I would say that's very INFP of you. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I used to... I, uh, I find it so infuriating um, because... I think personality quizzes are very fun when you're like quite yeah. young and you're like, wow, I don't know who I am. But then using them as like real things, I find incredibly annoying. So I knew this, I met this guy at a friend's house who was, he, he was in some sort of weird business. He was very posh and annoying, but he was like, oh yeah, no, it's generally real. It's genuinely real. It's so useful for business because of the ways people communicate. <laughs> um, my boss, he doesn't understand anything I say and it's because he's an INTJ and I am an EF, <laughs> I'm like an ENTP or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, have you considered maybe you're just terrible at communicating? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he would not believe me. And he's like, well, what are you? What are you? What are you? And I was so like, I mean, Sometimes I guess your boss is one. just giving you the INTJ stare. Well, because they use it to, like, decide if people get jobs and shit. People do personality quizzes. That's so and, like, fucked up. As part of interviews and stuff. And it's just... But I'm also a bit like uh, a company that is so doing, a, doing a Myers-Briggs personality test to decide if I'm a good fit or not. I'm probably not a good fit then. <laughs> Well, no, but, you know, you sometimes you need a job. Yeah. <laughs> like, whatever that job is, you know, you got to try and defeat the test in order to get mm-hmm. the job. You just have to pretend you're, like, someone who's obsessed with working and yeah. <laughs> genuinely believes that the corporation is your family and that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, so should we talk about Mort? Let's talk about Mort. We, we were starting to talk about Mort, but then... We got distracted by translation. Yeah. So yeah, in the first half of Moore, we meet the main character, whose name is Moore. Um, and he is a very useless farm boy who can read and stuff, but isn't good for much else. And his dad wants him to get a job. So he takes him to a um, indenture fair. Love to become indentured to someone. And he gets taken on as an apprentice by death for reasons that aren't entirely clear and still aren't really clear. Um, But Death has become pretty moody lately. Um, And he's learning all about how to be Death. And he's met the two other people who live in Death's house, which is his adopted daughter, Isabel, and his servant, Albert. And he's been doing the duty, learning how to be Death. Um, But he saves a princess from being murdered by an assassin because he's horny. And this is causing problems for the princess, who can no no longer be perceived by normal people because she doesn't technically exist as an alive person. And that's sort of where we are in the book at the moment. Mm -hmm. Everyone's just kind of dealing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, reality is just splitting into two and collapsing upon itself and trying to correct the changed course of history, but it's fine. Yeah, it's probably nothing. It's probably nothing. I really like this book. It's really good. It's so good. It, it is good. I think I think this is my favorite of the ones I've read so far. Yes. Uh, he just really, I this really feels like he's starting to get more confident in his writing. Mm. Uh, like I think his jokes are better. 
Yeah. His characters are better. We do say that in each successive book, That's but I true. think it is true. Um, I think the prose is better. I think it's smoother. Yeah. So the pacing works a lot better. And it's like, especially yeah. compared to uh, what was the last one, Equal Rights, mm. where the plot just like completely took a different turn in the second half. Uh, I mean, we haven't read the second true. half of this yet, although I do know what is going to happen. So it's not like I'm going to be surprised. And I think it is a lot more of a cohesive story than any of them have been so yeah. far. Yeah, like the thing I was going to mention uh, is that it was like, it's like pretty, uh, pretty much exactly at like one third of the book when like the enticing incident happens mm. of like Mort uh, going out on duty and not killing the princess and like and also that is set up pretty early where he first yes. sees her so like you know things that are gonna pay off later are set up in the beginning of the book yes which is yeah. such a neat writing trick yeah it's um yeah it's it's cool to like have an idea of where the plot is going yeah. and to see things early so when they happen you're like okay that makes sense for the character yeah <laughs> and actually terry Pratchett himself points points this out in the book when there's a part like where where it literally reads like now you might notice that mort is becoming a different character than he was just a few chapters ago <laughs> Yeah, there is a few points in this where he sort of zooms out and goes into a sort of like active third person. Yeah, which is very um, good. In like a cinematic sense, which is incredibly funny. That's what I mean by this is where it feels like he's becoming a more confident writer because that's like that's like some king shit. <laughs> <laughs> it is an interesting one because he does it sometimes and then in some books he sort of doesn't. Yeah. Or he he steps outside of the character point of view, but not in such a not in a way that addresses the audience yeah. in that way. So like especially in the more conventional ones, like the Tiffany Aching ones, like that would never happen. Yeah, sure. But yeah, it's very funny when he does it in this one. I I love whenever he does an incredibly long and convoluted joke, mm -hmm. um, like about Kelly's ancestors who were like nomadic horse people. Yeah, and took over Stolat like in the night and there's like loads and loads of footnotes about like the speech that they yeah, made it's very good <laughs> some some great footnotes in this and like my other fa favorite like weird joke that like that he makes is where where there's like a cut between two scenes yes and then it then he immediately says uh this is a cinematic technique uh that i am employing in a literary sense now isn't it very effective yeah, at the end of one of the sections, someone asks a question, and then in the beginning of the next one, someone appears to answer it, and he's like, ooh, do you see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yes, cinem cinematographers love it, um, but you can't trust them because they call senior technicians best boys, <laughs> which is suspicious. <laughs> yeah. It's some it's some good jokes, some some good stuff. Solid stuff in From this one. Bit, bit of weirdness where everyone's very horny for Kelly, who is 15. Mm -hmm. It is implied. I mean, it's more is also like 15. So yeah, that's, that's fine. That's fine, I guess. It's more like the wizard. Although it says he's very young, but I don't know if he means like 20 by that or like 17. I have no idea. And I also don't mm. know if, like, is the wizard like, is the wizard like actually horny for her? Or is that just like what Mort thinks he is? Uh, that's a point. Maybe he isn't. Because I, because I, 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 says, I really just thought something. like the, the 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 doorknob tells. The doorknob is like very horny, which yeah. is weird. <laughs> the, the, the doorknob tells Mort that the wizard is away with his girlfriend, and then Mort gets super jealous for some reason. But then yeah, when we meet like, the wizard again, he's he's not like it's my girlfriend. He's like. I have to do this fucking job. <laughs> He's like, this is my employer. Yeah. She's very angry all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's not like I, I swear. There's a line when he's talking to her that's like. There might be. Uh, I'm not that mad about it. Like, it it's wouldn't just... be a surprising thing to encounter in these books. Like, it's it sometimes happens. <laughs> yes, I'm like really 15. Um... <laughs> <laughs> just make just make all of, make everyone 20. It's yeah, fine. just do it. Oh, Janosch. Um, yes. How old are you? I'm 24. No, you gotta get there. You gotta be like, 
how old are you? And then you have to say that you're 16. Okay. And then I have to Twilight go, how long have you been 16? Oh, I get it. I haven't read Twilight. <laughs> oh, but it's the famous line. Okay. <laughs> so in Twilight, she goes, <laughs> this is a failed bit. She's like, how old are you? And he's like, 17. And she's like, how long have you been 17? And he goes, a while. Yeah. <laughs> and in this, they have the exact same lines where she's been 16 for 35 mm-hmm. years. Which, which is rough. Yeah. What, what's the implications of that? Like, what, a, what what is her age then? Like, is she like 40 something or is she like still 16 because time doesn't pass? So she doesn't also doesn't age mentally or whatever. I think she can't develop yeah. as a person. I think it's like time is static. So time doesn't pass, but like, I don't know what you call it. Like, things go forward, yeah. but not in a time sense. Like if we if we like want to zoom out just a little, I yeah. I was just gonna mention how much I like the like general setting of this book. I think it's great. Like it's it it has like a bit of a gothic vibe uh, vibe to it, mm. with like death's place where everything is black, which I appreciate. And then I really like um, I really like his entire like his entire residence uh, with like. Binky the regular horse. I love Binky. Binky the horse. And Albert the regular love. human. Mm, less regular. <laughs> there's some <laughs> there's some great Albert moments where where he's like cooking this extremely greasy food. Yeah. And then he like winks at Mort saying there might be some porridge afterwards. <laughs> He avoids the porridge, but it looks terrible and congeals in the pot, yeah. which I think is pretty and good. And then he later, then there's later a part where he's like considering if he needs to change the fat in the pan or if he can wait another year with it. Yeah, I mean, this this is just Terry Pratchett's love of incredibly greasy yeah. food, um, yeah, that which I, I, I appreciate. <laughs> I have never had black pudding, so I don't know if it's good or not. Well, um, I think it's good. Every British pretty, person tells me that. Tasty. But yeah. it's also the only place in the world where you can where you can eat it. It's like very soft, like mm-hmm. herby sausage, basically. Sounds good. Yeah. Because that's also it a thing good. that like Albert cooks. Yes, which again, pretty good. There's a great bit where it's talking about um, Albert and Death's relationship, which mm-hmm. is is something I really enjoy. Um, and obviously that's something that continues yeah. in pretty much all the death books. I'm thinking through, is death in Thief of Time or is it just basically Susan? Oh, he is, he is in it. Yeah, what does he do in that book? I don't remember. Because, It's a good one, but I don't remember the exact plot. Yeah, I remember Susan's stuff, but I don't remember what death does in that book. Um, but um, like, Albert isn't in soul music much, but he's quite present in... Hogfather. Yeah, Death basically is the, like, I, I looked up the plot. He's the one who, like, discovers the, you know, mm, discovers yes. the plans, but he can't act himself, so he sends Susan. That's it, yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so he's probably got a cameo, but isn't, like, yeah. as major in that. He's on the cover. Yeah, is that the cover with the big, um, like pillars because I yeah. like the Thief of Time cover. Yeah, that's the that's the last cover that Josh Kirby drew, and it's also his best one. Yeah, it's pretty because cool. there's no I really like Thief there's of no time. ridiculously huge boobs with like no basically no clothing on it. But that's a classic. That's a classic Kirby illustration. She loves to do. I like it because it's almost horrifying. It is very um, horrifying. And it's absurdity. It's like not exactly titillating so much as like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but I do think it is for him, probably. Yeah, he's like, damn, gotta get the shading right on these huge orange-shaped tits. There's, a, I don't know, um, in which because you sent a few uh, covers of your favorite like Josh Kirby tit moments. Yeah. And top ten. I I don't remember which one it had, <laughs> but one of them had her like. With with like her belly down on a horse, and it has some yeah, that's some pyramids. Pyramids, yeah. That one had like some very challenging physics. Yeah, there's some like tit physics stuff going on there. I gotta say, as a teen and a child, I was very I was very intrigued by these illustrations. <laughs> I was like, hmm, interesting. But I was also very embarrassed to take them to school. Yeah, 
because I was like, Same. people are going to be like, wow, cool tip books. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to be like, yes, they are very good to me. What were we talking about? Um, uh, Albert. We are talking about yes. Albert. Yeah, there's a great bit which talks about Albert and Death's relationship where it says, it, when Mort describes it as having the impression of like the aftermath of a big argument that's been resolved, mm-hmm. like where it's calm and it feels sort of nice and stuff, but as if some sort of yeah. massive, terrible thing has happened in the past and now they're sort of at peace with each other. And I just think that's really it's sort of evocative and interesting. It's, it's, it's extremely... It's, like, this is... I, I really mean it when... Like, like this is where, where his character writing starts to shine through in, incredibly well. Like, Granny Weatherwax was good in the last book. Bit of a bumpkin, though. Bit of a country bumpkin. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> death in this one, like, death and Albert and their entire relationship that is, that is like, mm. teased here, it's, 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 just, it's just so good. <laughs> And the thing yeah. about death is also that he usually he's usually like a, a secondary or tertiary character in his own books. Yeah, like even yeah. in the ones of the, the so-called death series, he's like because yeah, like, in this one, Mort is the main me. character, and he's just kind of protagonist in Reaper Man. But then like Susan uh, takes more of the front. Yeah, I would say definitely that Reaper Man is the one book where it's from his yeah. point of view. Um, you get like I think there's some bits where you sort of get into his head a bit but Reaper Man is like about him yeah. as a character and then yeah the rest of them are about Mort and his family like yeah like but but like even with him as a secondary character he is such a, a strong presence in all of those books I think oh yeah for sure in this one he says that he's sadness <laughs> yeah yeah he's just What's so that? melancholy because he like he can't yeah. feel like actual emotions so he just mm. feels like he he just has this like lack of emotions or want for emotions. Yeah, and I'm not even sure because he says he can't feel emotions yeah. because he's not got glands. Um, but I think he does. I think he thinks emotions. Yeah. And I think they still they still affect him, glands or no glands. Because <laughs> here he's just he is fed up and wants time off. Yeah, he just like... has a big midlife crisis. Yeah. So he's got more here. I guess that's sort of. Is that why he's got Mort here? Is it? Because <laughs> Mort isn't sure why he's here. Yeah. And neither is Albert. And neither is Isabel. And they think he's been brought here to keep Isabel company, but also to maybe marry her. Mm. Which is very funny that he'd just be like, oh, this is this is husband for my child. Um, <laughs> I think he's like a combination of like things, like him being where he thinks this is a thing I should do without like fully understanding yes. why. Which he often yeah, he's like, this is what people do. Because it, it starts with him like watching more from his office yeah. and being like, yes, I will get that one. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not sure what's motivated him to choose more. And there is, an, there is a thing in the second half, which I won't go into too much detail on, but he, his memory works forwards and backwards. Yeah. Um, so in a way, it's almost like he has to go get more because he remembers getting more. Yeah, that's like the other thing of the... That I really like about the Death series, because like you know the Watch series might be like the most political or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I think the Death series is the one that's like the most <laughs> existential. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. It's very existential. And it's like um, the one where it's the most about the yeah, like the fabric of life <laughs> and the world. Because yeah. Death gets like out there. Like there's a there's a part at the beginning when they're like looking at the disc and they're seeing the sun going mm. going under the disc yeah which is like a point of view the other characters will never have yeah Mort's like wow this is amazing who gets to see this and he's like well maybe the gods and me and you yeah. i guess <laughs> and i guess season later but very few people yeah and it's- oh and Rin- and rinse wind when he goes to the moon yeah. um <laughs> in the last hero but um until then only these guys. I'd say the Death series, more than any of them, even more than the Witch mm-hmm. series, is about being human. Yeah. And it does this from the perspective of... Well, not from the perspective, but with Death as, like, an outside perspective because yeah. he's not human. But at the same time, he likes humans and he likes things about them. And it uses that to sort of examine, like, basic human traits and habits and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because his point he's painted like in a way other like the deaths of other worlds, they don't care as much, but I want to do my job proper. 
and yeah i want to like learn what humans are yeah and he has compassion which is a thing he recognizes like here the first time Mort goes on a, a round with him he tries to save someone and death was like um I'm not upset or angry with you because you showed compassion. Like, if you'd shown pleasure, then I would have yeah. sent you home. But yeah, that was a good the fact bit. that you were sad that someone was dying is good and is right. But you just have to show compassion with the edge of a blade instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's this entire philosophy about how... Because death is, you know, that death is the inevitable. Yeah. And there's this entire philosophy in this book, or like most of the death books, about... Um, when when you die there's no like good or bad or wrong or right it's just dying just happens to you and that's like the yeah, main conflict then... here that mort doesn't want to accept that and he saves kelly where mm. she should have died according to fate yeah according to fate and also because there is this thing which is again a thing a big thing in the discworld books which is that history happens yeah but it's also sort of already happened so the future and the past all happen almost concurrently. And so when you change things, it tries to like elastically go back into place because that's the way history is and you can't change it. Yeah. Yeah, it says like history has been around for long enough that one minor disturbance is not gonna like, like it's still gonna find its way to shake it back to its normal path. Yeah, which is the whole thing in soul music, which Susan discovers in a sort of similar way in that one that you can't change things and then also yeah and also in Thief of Time which is about history monks and about changing history again and trying to put it back into place well about starting history because history stops yeah (laughs) but yeah there is this thing about trying to change the immutable reality but it not allowing itself to be changed and like when um Vimes goes back in time he tries to change things only to make them what happened Mm -hmm basically. And it's like, maybe he changed it, or maybe it just appears to have changed, but it's the same. I don't know. There's <laughs> a lot of... No, but it's definitely, like, in the in the last episode I was talking about, uh, I was talking about, like, the rules that are established about the, the disc uh, mm. that will stay the same or won't. And I think, like, this thing about history, um, like, his views on history and fate and time is like one of the big things that get introduced here that is gonna yeah. be like a major uh, philosophy of the series, I think. Yeah, it's almost like laws of physics that he's putting into yeah. place and that is one of the laws of this universe. Yeah, the other yeah. the other like big law of physics that he puts in here is the people will not see what's there if it disturbs them. Yeah, and this is his ongoing... This is definitely one of his big things, yeah. which is, he calls it like first sight, which is seeing what's really there. Yeah, that's what wizards it are says, trained in, that uh, Cutwell says that. Yeah, which is very like, Arya, look with your eyes yeah. stuff, you know? Is <laughs> 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 being like, people people ignore inconvenient things and in order to exist, but some people can see what is really there rather than seeing like invisible creatures or whatever and Mort's whole thing in this is that he's going from being human to being more real than human yeah which is what allows him to walk through walls and becoming a bit strange yeah this was a this was an interesting part where like the where he's like in the pub or whatever tavern yeah and is drinking what's the name scumble scumble yeah uh and everyone is looking at him like he's he's he seems too real they're like he just his hair's a bit too much like real hair. Yeah. <laughs> his face is just a bit too it's like too realistic, it's you know. It's hyper like hi- it's like hyper real. Yeah. Which is like nah, I'm not gonna go into that. Okay. Because <laughs> I no, I remembered how there's also like a media theory about how the, the disturbing thing about CGI isn't that that it's not real enough, but it's too real because you can put in so mm-hmm. much more pixels than in a regular photo you'd have. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. I think most CGI just looks terrible. Um. <laughs> no, no, but it's like you know how the how they made the Hobbit in oh yeah uh, in like fifty or like thirty something frames per second, and suddenly the um, and suddenly all the CGI stuff like still looked the same, but you could like see the actors wearing makeup, and you could see where the fake yeah. sets ended and where it ha- where it went into CGI because the CGI was like more real than the 
Yeah. Extra, like, well, it's, like, it's stuff like I think, because I think we see in like 30 frames per second. Um, so when you put it in 48 frames per second, it just, it's it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it just comes off as strange. Also, The Hobbit was terrible and that didn't <laughs> help. Um, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like the thing that killed it. You know, the CGI, it was like upsetting and they were like, Legolas is younger, so his eyes are blue. Don't question it. Um <laughs> We're going to CGI everyone's faces. Um, don't think about it. But also the story and the dialogue and the plot mm-hmm. and the music. Um, and they're like fucked over New Zealand. Yeah, and then they changed the labor laws in New Zealand to make them materially worse. What a great movie. Um, love to, you love to see it. Yeah. I wonder if like The Hobbit like kind of killed blockbuster movies as as they were. Like, I mean, we still have blockbuster yeah. movies. Yeah, though. but they like changed. Because now, cause now all they? the blockbuster movies are like Marvel, Star Wars, Disney yeah, movies. Yeah, I think, I don't know if The Hobbit did that or, is if, or if it just like everything got monopolized to the point where Disney owns everything so they control which yeah. blockbusters are released in the summer. I think, I think The Hobbit <laughs> was like kind of a tipping point though in trying to figure out... I think it was one of the what, last ones, yeah. In like, I, in I guess having faith in... <laughs> because it was done by the same guy who did Lord of the Rings. Peter Jackson. And people were so excited when before the first one came out and then like the excitement went down and no one cared it was definitely one of those it was one of those blockbusters which had like an extreme amount of like because people i don't know people blame like corporate meddling for a lot of stuff where sometimes it's just bad scripting but there has definitely been a lot of movies recently where they've had like six different directors because they keep firing them and the script keeps going through changes halfway through the production and they keep doing reshoots and the hobbit was definitely one of the early ones where that kept happening like to an extreme amount um where they like changed the director and then changed the director um and then they were like okay we'll get peter jackson in it even though there's like no time to do pre-production um and they have to sort of do everything this way and he it was just too much work to do in too short amount of time yeah what was and then the... you have that with like all the Star Wars movies and stuff. Yeah. What was the last blockbuster movie you remember that that wasn't part of a cinematic universe? Uh, that I remember. <sighs> there must have been more, but the only one I can think about is Inception. <laughs> <laughs> that was ten years ago. Maybe. Um, I don't know what I've seen. What does it mean to be a blockbuster? Though? That's a good question. I guess because I saw like I saw cats. <laughs> yeah, I don't think cats. Um, I don't know if cats count. Sort of a blockbuster. I saw Midsummer. I guess it's a horror movie, yeah. which is less. Of yeah, and it's like I think Midsummer is more of a mid-budget movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Everything seems to be in a franchise. Right. <laughs> I can just think of superhero movies. <laughs> Same. Like the only like standalone Maybe movie I remember that. I would uh, call a blockbuster movie would be Detective Pikachu, and even that is like an yeah. intellectual property. Yeah, Detective Pikachu, S- Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <But> th- uh, <laughs> that's gonna be a cinematic universe now. I think like they're. I gonna... mean, everything. If they can make it into a cinematic universe, then they're yeah. going to. Maybe like John Wick. I mean, I know that's got sequels, but like yeah less of a universe yeah john wick is john wick is not a bad example like people saw that i don't know how yeah successful it because john wick still feels like um i i don't want to say art movies but like you know good writing of of being a good movie yeah <laughs> it's got touches of being good movie um, as opposed to being bad movie yeah uh i i made a note here that i don't understand because i i wrote okay. here Mort equals Brienne question mark and I don't know why I thought that. Um, is it because he is not conventionally attractive? I think it was a combination of that and well, he also has a crush on someone like just from seeing them, I guess. Yeah. But I think it was someone else. I think it was like for his moment of compassion or something in the beginning. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I find I can't think of a moment where i'm like damn this is brilliant yeah I, I also can't put it can't put it to an exact moment i was gonna say what did you think about um the morton isabel relationship within this <laughs> this half of mm-hmm. the book it's fun <laughs> yeah it's very funny it's kind of cute. Um, they don't interact a lot for the 
I do like the one scene. I do like the two scenes they have together. Mm. Yeah. Like, I, I really like the first one where she's like, yeah, like the first thing she says is, you mustn't go in there, boy. <laughs> like, she's, she's so, like, haughty. And like, uh, yeah, I like that she really wants to be like haughty goth yeah. maiden, but she's like, she's a bit chubby and she doesn't have like the cheekbones to be like ice princess. So it sort of comes across a bit petulant, but like in a very fun way. And I like her a lot. She's really she's good. good. They're both really mean to each other, which is very funny. <laughs> They're just like, wow, you're the ugliest yeah. <laughs> person I've ever seen. <laughs> I, what I like about that is that it goes on for a bit and then they're they're like, was this enough of that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they just hands. get along <laughs> yeah no it's really good it's cute i think it's fun how how it's like oh i have a i have a big boner for this princess that i talked with once mm. uh where where like you know it's clearly nothing yeah like he saw her once and then she, he decided that he's gonna save her cool but he had like an electric shock moment mm-hmm. i mean i don't want to spoil the second half of the book but i think if i remember correctly and i might not be the reason he has such like a thing upon meeting her is that he retroactively remembers their future knowing each other and so he's like damn this person is important yeah wait or is that in soul music i don't know because i also i'm also mixing up plots so yeah (laughs) we'll see but I, f- I, f- I seem to remember that figuring into it where it's like, he thinks it's like, ah, this is immediate true love, but actually it's just like remembering someone yeah. that's familiar to you. <laughs> I, I like the part where he like has this coalition moment. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> where like parts of his brain are talking to him and he's like, who are you? Oh, I'm you. He's like, I'm you, Mort. And he's like, well, it must be me because yeah. I'm the only person who calls me Mort rather than boy. <laughs> Uh, sad yeah the other like very funny. random thing i noted th- that in the beginning death does a seinfeld routine <laughs> where he's like what's the he deal goes, with this the thing that human do and what's with this other thing why do why are they putting cherries into drinks nobody likes the cherry in there it's just there why do humans make drinks so complicated <laughs> yeah he's got like the little like um pastry like all devs and he's like what's the deal with putting mm. them in pastry <laughs> in a way it's a fun throwback to um like fantastic where he mm. appears with like cocktail yeah. stick you know he just turns up at parties a lot he's a he likes to party down sometimes he does like to party down he likes curry and he likes cats yeah which is why i relate to him <laughs> Uh, quite a lot <laughs> he's good it's interesting how because we talked about Neil Gaiman in our bonus episode mm. are you familiar with the way he does death um what in Sandman yeah. yes yes Sexy. so there exactly death is death is just a goth GF <laughs> god yeah that's so true isn't it damn death is my goth GF <laughs> like I do actually like death she has a cool necklace she's, she's okay yeah, from what I remember, she's like... I think because I, I never read Sandman all the way through, mm. but I did read, like, a compendium of just death stories from okay. Sandman. <laughs> and from what I remember, she was, like, fine. Yeah. I also didn't read all of Sandman. I read, like, the first six volumes, I think, six or seven. Mm. It it starts off, yes. it starts off great, I will I say. Know. Like, there's... The first, like the first few volumes, have like some good horror stories in there. But when it becomes more like high fantasy, um, I became less interested yeah. in it. I don't know. I'm just saying it's not as good as the Wicked and the Divine, and that's all there is to say about that. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's like a a graphic novel comic series. Mm. I'm just saying it's 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 good. It's very like sort of conceptual. It's about like every every ninety years, um, twelve teenagers. Um, are chosen to be like gods by some mysterious process and they become like deities except there's something else going on beneath the surface and you're not sure why or what it means and yeah it's pretty it's pretty good pretty good sounds thing. pretty good i have read a lot of it and there is a lot <laughs> well i've read all of it because it's finished yeah okay i should not just talk about comics i i tried to read saga but it was like saga sounds bad like from from everything I heard about Saga, it sounds like it sucks so much shit. I didn't hate it, but I also wasn't interested by it. So I, because I only read the first one, so I can't imagine it gets better. Yeah. 
I think it was like really weirdly like militarist. Yeah, that's what. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing, depending on how they play it. But like, no, I think I think like uh, the whole politics of it is like very. Eh. Okay, not like our good politics. Yeah. It's got those it's got those bad politics. Yeah, who wrote it, Brian K. Vaughan? Because I also remember the author having like some problematic views in general. What else did he write? Oh yeah, he also wrote Why the Last Man which why the last Mm. man which is about what if you were the only dude left damn that's deep like like all the yeah all all living mammals with a y chromosome simultaneously die with one exception that sounds sounds hmm. pretty bad right it sounds bad on like Like multiple levels yeah it sounds bad on as a concept i have questions does he go into like gender identity or is he just like i'm pretty sure he doesn't Okay, lame and boring. Um, <laughs> okay, is there anything else to say about Mort? I don't think there's much else to say about Mort. Not so far. Yeah, we'll have an entire second half with maybe some other people appearing who will offer their own opinions. Yeah, I was. I think this this while a good chat could do with maybe two more opinions, just yeah. like s- slid in there. I think that would be nice. Okay. Yeah, I do want to talk with um, you about something else, though. Okay, I've heard that you have another segment, and I am intrigued. Yeah, so this world is like pretty popular intellectual property, right? Mm. Uh, yes. So what 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 is the thing that every intellectual property needs? Um, Funko Pops. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it turns <laughs> out right? a lot of people want it. Okay, uh, good. So I found like a change.org petition from five years ago. Oh, oh, I thought they actually had them, but what you're saying is that people ask no, there's, for them. No, they, they don't exist yet. Mm. A lot of people are asking for this. So this is one by Charlotte W. Excuse me? <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> don't care for that. Don't like that much. I uh, called create... It's like a change petition called create Discworld Funko Pop figurines. Given Terry Pratchett's recent at sad demise i realized the lack of commercial merchandise for the discworld series so that's already like a bonkers sentence to start okay well yeah <laughs> okay let's dig into this <laughs> yes given given this like tra- this author te- tragically you know dying pretty young who was also suffering from alzheimer's i think there should be more commercial mm-hmm. <laughs> items yeah, I think if we make some plastic stuff, that would be respecting his memory. I feel that given its recent rise in popularity, Funko would be a perfect company to produce Discworld merchandise for the worldwide market. But there is Discworld merchandise. This would make it available to others who have not been able to access Discworld items before, as well as enrich the current market for Discworld memorabilia. Bonus points for a Terry Funko Pop. <laughs> So what we need is we need to expand the Discord merch market because um, at the moment demand is outpacing supply. <laughs> um, <laughs> what we need is we need the more Terry Pratchett Funko Pops to flood the market and to like bring in, you know, create that new uh, revenue. I'm running out of economy terms. <laughs> yeah, and like some of the some of the comments on here are like here's here's one comment that says that says. Terry deserves this and much more. Um, I think he deserves much more, maybe like not dying mm-hmm. in his 50s, but um, I'm not sure he needs Funko Pops. <laughs> it's a basic human right to have a Funko Pop. I also like the, the concept of improving access to Discworld memorabilia, where it's like up till now it's just not been accessible, yeah. but I'm... I'm bringing it to the people. The people deserve Discord merch. There's Discord merch on the website. There's loads of stuff. There's lots of stuff on there, but I don't know how... Maybe they're less available if you're not in the UK. It won't match my Funko Pop collection. I need Sam Vimes It's not homogenous enough. I mean, once the Watch TV series series comes out, then they can start making um, Sam Vimes Funko Pops. Yeah. The thing is, but the thing is, I, I want to get get to, I want to workshop some of the possible Discord fan codes in a second, but I think the tragic thing about the Watch TV series is that it doesn't look visually creative, and no. it doesn't look like it's gonna have some of the more, more like, visually recognizable Discord characters. Like, there's no rinse mm-hmm. window, no luggage in it, you know? Yeah, well, they're not important. Yeah. 
there's also like threads on uh, are this world that I like I want this world pop vinyls can someone make this happen somehow <laughs> Twitter make it happen please make um, it happen just do your thing you know don't worry about it there's there's one person who on reddit who commented do they not just do them from film tv series video games has there been a precedent for a literary series that doesn't have a visual media adaptation no i don't think so uh, and then there's a comment that well there are discworld movies there's a color of magic movie and the hawkfather movie oh shit they're right okay never mind they absolutely have to have a death funko pop but the funko pops are so generic you could get just like characters from other things that look vaguely like the characters and no one would know that's the thing like is there no other intellectual property that has like a black hooded skeleton in there with a scythe like as much as i think this world death is is a very unique representation of the character and uh, you know, a very cool twist on on it. The the way or the the reason why it works is that he does look exactly like the classical the, the classic death, which makes like the subversions of it uh, stand out even mm-hmm. more. You know, it, this yeah. doesn't matter for a Funko Pop. No, I mean, you would just paint them if they look different. Yeah. You know, you could just paint a Funko Pop and it would be as good as a normal. There's Funko Pop. actually some like custom Funko Pops online that people made like creative. You know, hashtag if you're a creative. <laughs> Oh, as a creative, creative. I love to make my own personalized Funko Pops. Yeah, there's like, what's it called? What's that website where people post their artistic stuff? DeviantArt? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Here's one. Here's one from (laughs) DeviantArt that is like a... God, DeviantArt, this website is so hard to navigate. Yeah, it's pretty broken. But anyway, here's... If you you look at this link, there's like a Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman custom-made Funko Pop. Which is cool. <laughs> they look like shit. I mean, so it's just like real Terry life. Pratchett has like huge yellow glasses on this. I mean, I don't want to just insult people's um People's art, custom Funko you know. Pops, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm... Maybe I'm actually fine with insulting people's custom Funko Pops. And then there's another... Um, oh, sh- I, I don't hate those. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. They look better than normal That's Funko true. Pops. I also they found got, like, some like uh, Aziraphale and Crowley Funko Pops from the Good Omens TV series, okay. which is, I think, the closest yeah. we get to real Discord Funko Pops. Yeah, this person's done like a bunch of custom Funko Pops that have like anime eyes. Wait, is that what the Funko Pops no, eyes are? No, they look... They just look... These eyes are much more detailed than normal Funko Pop eyes are, which is very disturbing yeah, these... to me. Yeah, but they look a bit more, like, characterful than the actual Funko Pops. There's definitely more detail on, like, the clothes and stuff. There is, but do you, do you <laughs> want more like, detail? colours. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that the normal Funko Pops are... In... Or do you want an aut- authentic Funko experience? Well... You know I love the authentic Funko experience, but at the same time I can I can see why you'd be jonesing for a bit more of a, a detailed yeah, look that fair. isn't just block colours in the cheapest possible material. So let's let's try um, to like workshop some of the some of the Funkos that we'd get if there was a Disco Pop Funko series. So like Death, obviously. Mm. Uh yeah. Rinse Two Flower. Um obviously Granny Weatherwax yes. and Nanny Og. Grebo, um, I guess. Yeah, maybe Binky, Death on Binky. Death on Binky, definitely. Death Riding Horse with a scythe. Uh, uh, what movie uh, moments would Tiffany, there be? Tiffany A. King, probably. Well, it's not a movie, so it can't have movie moments. <laughs> Neither is Game of Thrones, and it still has movie moments. Yeah, but it's got, like, cinematic, <laughs> maybe, Ooh, would there be a Would there be a great Atu in Funko Pop? Yes, with, like, four elephants. That would be pretty cool. I would buy that. If I had, like, I wouldn't mind, like, having a model of the Discord. I think that'd be pretty I cool. mean, they exist. They're just not done by Funko. Well, then they're no good to me. <laughs> I can only consume Funko content. It's what Terry yeah. deserves. Which characters should get, like, Hot Topic exclusives? Um, Death, definitely. Mm-hmm. What what liquid uh, should maybe, you get on Maybe her? Isabel or a Susan. Um... This makes no sense to people who <laughs> don't watch our Funko Pop stream. Okay, let's let's trail back you for a second. So one thing we discovered about Funko Pops is that some of them have Hot Topic exclusives, which just means that there's some liquid sprayed on them. So the classics are Jon Snow with blood on him, 
and Jon Snow with mud mm. on him. Yeah, or Brienne, or Brienne with blood, with but that blood one on her wasn't, yeah. It didn't have enough blood, so it was. Oh, very and Torment with snow on him. Okay, I'm trying to remember. I guess you could have Tiffany aching with snow. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. For like Wintersmith. There could be like. Hmm. Rincewind with dust or something? Yeah. <laughs> Dusty Rincewind. <laughs> Dusty Rincewind or just Dirty Rincewind, I think. Yeah, Muddy Rincewind could imagine. be done or like. Actually, I'm taking back all my school, and I would love a Muddy Rincewind Funko <laughs> Pop. I think that would be great. I think, yeah, I think Muddy Rincewind is, sounds like the perfect Funko Pop to me. Yeah, you're going to have to send me this petition so I can sign it. It's unfortunately from five years ago, so I don't think it's still... What? And it never happened. I am appalled and shocked. Yeah, yeah like only 200 people signed it. Well, they just didn't get the word out. I'm sure yeah. if people knew about it, they would all sign. It is, it is a petition directed at Funko. It's very funny to send a petition to, to a, a, company. a company to make them do a product. I don't know. That's really <laughs> good. They need to get a ton of like license deals and shit. So they're probably only doing this if it's uh, if it's somewhat profitable or that it doesn't explain why there's an entire Conan O'Brien Funko series. Yeah, I can't imagine that is profitable. So unless he like funds it himself. <laughs> Maybe he's just buying um, all of I'm them. Which I'm not saying isn't true. <laughs> he's like, listen... Um, yeah, unless he's just, like, commissioned them and is like, please make these Funko Pops with my head, please. Yeah, and there's, like, maybe, like, the only the only reason I could see the Conan ones being somewhat popular is that it's all, like, Conan as ex-pop culture character. Yeah, I mean, that's, that to me, that's worse. Which Discord character should Conan O'Brien be? I, I, I hate to bring up Rincewind again, but I could, I could see Conan O'Brien wearing, like, Rincewind's wizard hat. Uh, no, I think he'd have to be more iconic. He'd have to be, like, Vimes, probably. Yeah, holding the dragon, probably, right? Yes. Yeah, with, like, the hat and the badge and everything. God, I hate to think about this right now. <laughs> it's, <for> the... <laughs> it's, it's not good, <laughs> but I don't think the Conan O'Brien ones are good to think about They're at not all, great. So. I can't believe there's so many of them. How many like are there? 29. That's... That's an unconscionable amount of Funko Pops for any one character. It's ridiculous. Even if that character is beloved talk show host Conan O'Brien. Is that what he does? I don't know that much about Conan O'Brien. Yeah, he does like a late night show. Suspicious to me. I think he was writing for The Simpsons back when the show was good. Mm, I mean, that's good. I, I miss when it was good. I have still never seen a full episode of The Simpsons. Oh yeah, I forgot. Never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. Have we got anything else to talk about or is this just going to be a short episode? Because I do have some other stuff, but I think that they would be more fun with like uh, you know, I think George and Lucy wouldn't want to miss out on those. Yeah, I agree. And I I don't want to do too much without them because I miss yeah. them. I miss them and I am so sad they fell off that <laughs> cliff and, yeah, and all of us here are praying I, for I, their recovery. I super regret pushing them off that cliff when I was there. It was a bad idea. Oh my God, this plot twist. <laughs> <laughs> you were behind it all along. Oh my God. Because they said they can fly. Ah, okay. Well... You should have challenged that. <laughs> you should have pushed back on that a bit more other than pushing them off a cliff. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, this is good. This is terrible. Um, okay. I'm ending this episode. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Who Watches the mm. Watch. Next week, we will be reading the second half of yes. more and talking about the book as a whole. Thanks especially to, like to all our five euro and above patrons. Uh, I will read the list of them right now. <laughs> Rise and grind memes for side hustling teens. Wow. Um, thanks to all of them. Um, <laughs> thank you to all our two patrons. Um, we appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, I will not um, say the name of the other patron. Yeah, I don't know who that is. It's just because some random. Because it doesn't pay enough for his name to be said. So... so. That's just what you just get yeah. what you pay for in this hierarchical society in which we in which we live. As an anarchist, I'm not sure I believe in um, <laughs> Patreon tears. Um, <laughs> this is not just a monetary hierarchy. Okay, so uh, we'll see you next week. Follow our other podcasts if you want. Oh yeah, to we got a new the uh, we got a new podcast to. going, which yeah. is a monthly discussion of all things David Lynch. We have. It's called Lynchpin, spelled with a Y. Spelled like, spelled David, like Lynch. David Lynch. Um, uh, I don't know. Is it out yet? Do we have a... 
it's not out yet because we don't have the theme song yet, but it's probably going to be out this week sometime. Okay, that'll just be on the network, so if yeah. you if you fancy some in-depth eraser head discussion, then just go to like good episode productions network. Exactly. And listen to it cuz it's fun. And until next time, bye. Rinse says fuck, Stan Winslow, uh Granny Weatherex says fuck turfs. Yeah, Beyond Strong in the Arm is uncle to Beyond some Strong in the people. Arm is especially George and Lucy's uncle who are still recovering mm. from their tragic accident. He's not only their uncle, but their mother, and he is <laughs> gently sponging their sweating foreheads um, as they convalesce. <laughs> listening to a good episode productions network podcast see the website for more details